my name. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a one-with-one horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG-loving friend. If you like what you hear, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast on your favorite podcatcher. It does really help other people find us. If you have questions, want to recommend a game, be a guest, or just say hi, you can reach me at youarenotalonepod at gmail.com or on Twitter at notalone underscore horror. I would love to hear from you. Keep your eye on Twitter because there are new things on the horizon and I will be talking about them in the coming weeks. This episode, we're finishing up our game of Long Haul 1983 by Sean Patrick Kane. Long Haul 1983 is a really awesome solo journaling game about being a long haul trucker in 1983 after everyone else on Earth has disappeared. You are trying to get your big rig to some distant place to find out if the one person you need to see is still alive. Meanwhile, a threat looms on the horizon, and your body is starting to fail. Sean, the creator, is facilitating the game for me as we play through it. While not about the pandemic, Long Haul 1983 is inspired by the COVID pandemic, so if that subject is difficult for you, please be careful when you proceed. With all that out of the way, let's continue the journey. We can almost imagine that we hear the echoes of that song. They tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. They tell me of an uncloudy day. As you once again tuck yourself into your bed, the creaking of the coil springs kind of responding to your weight, and you sink down into it, and you pull your ragged sheets up a little tighter tonight. And as you drift off into sleep, we see for the first time a little bit of foggy breath come from you as you exhale it's getting cold and you drift back to sleep with the occasional shiver that song still ringing in your head the memory of your mom from that summer still floating around you it's a peaceful drift but you're awakened with the shiver yesterday's road card means that you're in a new environment and now it is cold now you've made your way north and what was flood water yesterday is now iced over everything kind of sparkles everything looks slick and shiny and white and whereas yesterday everything was in motion constantly with the flow of that flood water now everything is just quite literally frozen Motionless, still. What goes through your mind as you get ready to start that engine? With the calm of everything from the night before, I think like for maybe the first morning, my mind isn't on the like chaos and shittiness of the world right now. But it is on kind of just the work of being a truck driver. Yeah. And like the worry of what it means to be a truck driver in a, in a frozen environment and like running through the checklist of like, you know, making sure that I have, you know, something that I can throw under the tires. If I end up needing to get traction kind of all of uh, like letting the mundane routine of day to day work, take over for a moment yeah you're back to kind of kicking the tires you do your once around being careful not to slip as you kind of give your rig an inspection to make sure everything's good and you go ahead and start the engine so go to make that roll that is a zero somewhat of a miracle but your engine starts the first time and the heat from the vent kind of blasts you with like a welcome hug as you find a sense of reassurance, right? You're close to home. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you are in your final environment before you reach your destination. Is that correct? I have one more after this. I have snow. Yeah, got it. I mean, the good news is that so far, you've been pretty consistently getting those road cards that have allowed you to advance to the next location pretty consistently. That does mean that there are fewer in the deck <laughs> uh like the ideal would be to get one road card per day yeah 
just to keep those keep those yeah you don't need any more than that that has not been the case yeah now the flip side of course because i think with this game there's a pro and con to everything is that the road cards are the only types of cards that never will make you roll yeah so there's that trade-off as well so you're you're doing fine you can't get too hung up on the the probabilities of everything (laughs) but we uh see you hit the road and here's another moment where I'm just going to read the prompt straight from the card you got, because I think it spells it out pretty quickly. Intense weather conditions cause you to drift off the road. Describe your panic and make a rig roll. So play out the seed for us. <laughs> you hit the road full of a hope that has been absent in previous days. I like the kind of tension breaker of like i think it's almost immediately like you we see me get out of the truck and like i kick the tires i like throw some like rock salt underneath the tires so that like it'll catch traction and like get going and uh like somehow the engine turns on the first go and everything looks great and i think like almost immediately I just like slide off the other side of the road, barreling towards maybe like the wall of an overpass. <laughs> yeah. And it's one of those things that like as we watch it, it's too awkward to realize that it could be incredibly disastrous because yeah. it just it, it just looks so awkward in the moment. And I think your your sudden panic is also kind of not the smoothest. At least this is something that I have an advance in. Yes. And I just rolled uh, two pluses. Wonderful. Your mechanical skills pay off, right? So I think this is one of those moments where it's actually just awkward. Like we have this moment where like, oh my God, are you going to fall right over this overpass? And instead, it's just this really awkward thunk and scrape. And then you're just sitting there idling yeah probably 50 feet from where he started just shaking my head like oh this is <laughs> uh like what a great way to start the morning <laughs> yeah you shake it off you straighten up you very slowly and carefully get yourself righted back on that highway lane and you take off and as icy as the roads are for a while this morning, things are pretty smooth. Things. It's hard to ever call things safe, but after the morning's scare, you feel very much in control. And a safe stretch of highway lets you take some time to think, and you find yourself theorizing about the threat, where it came from why it's pursuing you and how all of this started. You don't have any definitive ideas, but this is a great chance to share. What are your theories right now? So I think that like, you know, a couple of days ago we, we talked about how like I, I kind of knew that there was something more going on, but I think really like the animals and the burning in my fingertips has me more and more convinced. Like I don't necessarily want to be arrogant enough to call this like the, the modern Christian conception of the devil, but it is that like, I think being a lazy atheist that like, this is whatever inspired that idea. Like, it has some deep connection to death. And, like, I'm slowly coming to terms with, like, this is something supernatural. Like, I've seen multiple deer now who have been burnt and beyond death. Yeah. Up and and running about. And, like, I think of all of the, like, rock and roll country songs about the devil driving some big black vehicle and like it feels like maybe because i like because i have 
all of this baggage around my parents' faith in the way I was raised that like, maybe that's why it's appearing this way to me. And like, maybe if I had had a different childhood, it would look different. Mm. Yeah. Does that fill you with, you know, what, what does that make you feel? I can imagine there's, there could be like a resentment or anger towards your parents in the upbringing. It could be like some kind of relief because at least you understand what might be happening to you right now. What's going through your mind? I mean, I think there's, there's a little bit of anger and resentment. And there's also like, I understand the irony of the fact that I started this trip being like, I'm going to go home and prove my father wrong. And in some weird way, like he's still wrong about the world breaking me. It did. The world didn't break me. Yeah. But there's this other thing that I didn't believe. Maybe he was right about, because it kind of feels like the devil is chasing me. And like, there's some irony to that, that like, (laughs) I was setting out to prove him wrong and I have also maybe been proven wrong. I don't know. Yeah. The frozen landscape kind of brings a lot of opportunity for kind of reflection and introspection. You know, there's not much to distract you besides the ice and the tires. And as you continue to drive North, the landscape starts to remind you of a a short trip you took. A long time ago. Right? Describe that memory for us. What pops into your head as you look on all that ice? So I think that every year for Christmas, we would go to my mom's parents. And like, this is small town Montana. Like, they didn't live too far away in the grand scheme of things, but like, It's also small town Montana. So like what we as East coasters might think of as think of their concept of a small distance, it's probably very different. So I think it was still like a good, like hour or so drive to get to, to get to my grandparents' house. Yeah. And I think there's one, one year when we were driving home, that like my grandparents insisted and insisted that we spend the night and my dad insisted and insisted that we didn't. Uh, and so at like 8 PM, we load into the family car and we start driving back and it had been a particularly bad winter. And so there was a lot of snow and a lot of ice. And I remember for a large part of the drive, I thought about like how beautiful it was when you have these like huge undisturbed fields of snow and you have like the moonlight reflecting off of them and everything is so bright. And then we went off the road on our drive back and it, it didn't total the car, but it did a lot of damage. And like, I think I had some whiplash and like all of us had little like, crash related injuries and i remember that kind of being like in the moment i would never have thought of this but like reflecting back that idea of how something can be so beautiful or tempting or appealing and also so deadly yeah you lose track of time and you find yourself wondering how long you had been kind of thinking about this time. You have one of those moments where you realize you're still driving on the road, but you have that thing where you're like, uh, how, how did I get here? Right. It's like, I've just been driving on autopilot for a while. Yeah. And you're at a point in the day where you could pull over and stop. We've pulled three cards, but none of them have been a road card. What would you like to do? I mean, I think I'm going to keep driving. I mean, from a meta perspective, I do want a road card, (laughs) but more just 
And like, this is a place where I think the meta almost feeds into yes the standard narrative of like, I also want to get out of this icy hell. Yeah. Especially as a big rig driver, like this is real dangerous. And like the sooner I can get somewhere else, the better. So you keep on going and you don't have much more time for introspection and reflect because you are suddenly overtaken with a very clear sensation. You sense that the threat is nearby. You know it. You cannot see it. But there is something that is absolutely authoritative. Maybe it's a smell. Maybe it's something you hear. The threat is close. So you're going to advance the threat once more. Mm -hmm. And describe those new sensations. How do you know with certainty that it is nearby? I think... Just to play into to thoughts from earlier, <laughs> I I think that the way I know that the threat is nearby and this kind of new new thing that I kind of learn about it is uh, there is for just the briefest time a reprieve from all of this ice because I hit a patch of road where like the ice has melted away. Yeah. And there's that smell of burning again, this time more of the charcoal smell, like the woods around me have been lit on fire. And there's like a blast of warm air and things are burning and the ice has melted away just in this like small stretch of road where like, obviously it has been here. So the last part of this card prompt says, if the threat has not overtaken you and it's you're not quite there yet. Make a mind roll to try and control your fear. All right. At least that is something I've advanced. <laughs> the dice are keeping me alive to be overcome by the threat. I feel like <laughs> uh, that is a two. You keep your grips, right? And immediately think about what comes next. That card was, Obviously a mind card and not a road card. So again, the choice is yours. You could keep on driving or stop for the day. Mm, 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 mm. This is where my uh, love as a player to push my luck <laughs> runs up against the, is that the wisest decision element of my brain? I think I need to keep going because I don't want to stop yeah. anywhere near where the threat has been. So you keep driving. The next card is another mind card, and it asks a very straightforward question. How does it feel to know that you may never see anyone ever again? When I started driving a truck, part of the reason I did it was because I wouldn't have to see many people. I would have to see the wait staff of the truck stop diner that I stopped at, I would have to see the person that I, I signed for pickup with and the person I signed for drop off with. And basically that was about it. And I was okay with that. The idea now though, that I may never see another human being again. I think is a mix of terrifying and heartbreaking. Like I, I'm realizing how important people are and like never getting to see the wait staff of my favorite truck stop again. Never, never having another shipment to pick up or drop off. And even even though it's been years, never seeing my parents again. Like I'd never really planned on going back to visit them, but the fact that I could and knew that probably at some point I would was always there. And now I'm closer to home than I've ever been. And I don't know if they're there. 
so as we see you wrestle with this on the road, we have to ask, do you stop or do you continue driving later into the night? I think I'm going to draw one more card. I don't think, I think with that realization, I want to keep going because I want to get home. It's a road card. (laughs) (laughs) An old billboard catches your eye as you pass it. And it reminds you of life before all of this. It's some insignificant little thing that it's advertising, but you find that you suddenly miss it intensely. Tell us the billboard. I feel like it is having driven through a lot of like long stretches of the middle of nowhere. There are basically two types of billboards. There are the billboards that tell you you're going to hell which I don't think is terribly interesting right now (laughs) in this game. Or there are billboards for the nearest fireworks tent. Yeah. Which seems infinitely more interesting to me. So I think I'm going to steal this from a fireworks place that actually exists in Northern PA. Mm -hmm. There is a billboard for pizza Paul's fireworks. And like all of the like, from childhood straight through to adulthood. Like I think the memory of like every backyard barbecue where someone has brought some level of fireworks comes flooding in. Just thinking about the like grand spectacle of like the shitty fireworks package you could buy for home use. Yeah. I love that. Maybe we think we see a bit, a quick montage of like the kind of not even like the most epic fireworks, but like those little duds and people laughing at it and kind of scooching out of the way. And, you know, someone getting hit with a bottle rocket in your backyard and those little things that at the time feel more like nuisances than anything else. But now just feel so distant and so warm. Exactly. All right, and then I think I will pull off and try to get some sleep. Great. As you see you take the exit ramp, the road's white ice starts catching a few traces of snowflakes that are coming down. And that snow only gets thicker and chunkier as you pull in to make your call which you can do whenever you're ready. Hey, Pops. Surprise. It's me again. I started off the day almost crashing my big rig on the ice, and you would have laughed your ass off at me. It was was me being a dumbass. But it made me think about all those drives to Grandma and Grandpa and all those holidays and all the cookouts and all the fireworks. And I don't know if you're there. And I hope you are, but I'm a realist and I know you're probably not. But I'm almost there, and I'm going to find out. And I think I'm going to be scared shitless either way. But we'll see what we'll see what tomorrow brings. And if I don't make it, if whatever is following me overtakes me, if this damned appendix or whatever burst kills me, I don't. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot that could go wrong between now and then. But if any of that happens, Pops, uh, I love you. Goodbye. Your sleep this night is heavy. And you wake up insulated with your rig kind of coated in a thick layer of white snow. You can see the sun kind of shining through it. 
but all you see is that white that gives an ambient glow to the inside of your cab. This is a really big fucking day for you. (laughs) It is. When we look at your player sheet and stats, we see that the threat is almost there. Uh, It's one away from overtaking me. And if we encounter it, that will be how we end our story. You're in your last location. Yep, I have two. I have two dice left. Uh, so it is. It really the tension here. <laughs> like either I'm going to die of a burst appendix, or the threat is going to kill me, or I'm going to get home. Like it is. This is the hail mary day. Yeah. And the way the end game works here is that depending on what happens, failing a roll on any of the stats leads to its own end game. Having the threat overtake you leads to its own end game. And then making it to your destination leads to the end game. So how today goes will really determine how this story wraps up. Excellent. And I can't wait to hear how it does. So let's start that engine. All right. That is uh, two blanks. So at least not the most spectacular of starts, but a start. Absolutely. And a start is better than not. And on a day like this, that's pretty much all you can hope for. Your windshield wipers kind of burst through that blanket of snow with a lot of energy and exuberance. The engine is roaring and kind of the heat from it is melting off the kind of snow that's accumulated on your rig overnight. And I have to imagine that knowing that you are so close to home and knowing how far you've come, this is not the day for careful walk around inspections. This is the day where you kick it into gear and roll. How's that sound to you? I think that is fair. As you hit the road, one of your sentences is heightened. You feel extra activated. And another sense is dulled. Describe the sensations. How do you feel? So I think to start with the sense that's dulled, I think that like my overall sense of like general like nerve ending feeling has dulled. Like I'm so amped up for the end of this trip that like all of the pain I've been feeling like it's 100% still there, but I think my like adrenaline has kicked into high gear at this point, and like all of it, I don't feel it quite as sharply. But that transfers over to then, like, you know, the, the steering wheel feels kind of more distant in my hands. Yeah. And like, it feels almost like I'm like floating above the seat. Because I can't quite feel where my body touches the leather of the seat. Hmm. And I think with the idea that my adrenaline is pumped up, I think maybe I think maybe my eyesight is a little bit sharper. And I'm like, I can almost like the, there's our, the already existing brightness of the sun in the snow meeting. But I think that that's even like a little bit brighter to me. But like I am. My eyesight's a little bit sharper. I'm noticing things along the side of the road more acutely than I have, especially in the last couple of days. Yeah. That activated eyesight helps you on this long drive today. And you find yourself staring at the fires that still kind of appear along the horizon. And you swear you see a shape or maybe even a a physical form in that smoke. What I want you to do is describe what you think you see and then make a mind roll to kind of control how you're feeling. I think, Oh, you know what? I think, I think with all of the conflicted, feelings i've described over the last like two days of this game (laughs) i think what i see in the smoke is the face of my father and it's like looming there over everything like it always has 
And I don't know, like, because I want so badly to see my parents right now and want them to not be gone, like, there is almost something comforting, or at least potentially comforting about seeing his face again. Yeah. But also, it's fucking terrifying. I love that tension there, right? That's going to help us with that role either way. So let's see. That's not great. That's a negative one. You get lost in that vision. And it takes a toll. What are the thoughts that are spinning through your mind? I think, like, again, with that idea of, like, this could have been a positive experience for me, and it's not. I think all I can see is the disappointment written across his features in that smoke. And just, like... As much as I wanted to do my own thing, and I probably, in the grand scheme of things, did the right thing, it's still hard thinking about how I disappointed my family. You're down to one die, if I'm correct. You are correct. Which means that if another role is failed, that will be how we end our story. And if we get a road card and make it through, we'll be able to get there. Mm-hmm. And if we draw a threat card, that would be the end of the story there. Yep. Really, it is like whatever that card is, is basically going to determine how this story ends. Yeah. So the third card we draw is a rig card. As you climb a steep miles long hill, pushing that engine, thinking of yourself close to home, the engine groans and you keep pushing and the needle of the temperature gauge rises. For the first time in a long time, your rig is having real trouble, especially in the snow and especially after so many days of travel. Go ahead and make a rig roll. All right. This needs to be a plus. It is a plus. Damn. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So first off, I'm going to say you. This can be you, the character, the player. How do you feel at this moment? Blaine feels very relieved. (laughs) I think Chris feels pretty relieved, too. Um, Like, I think there have been a number of, like, I take good care of this rig, but it's a, it's an older rig and like there is the debris. There was the scrape against the wall. Like it has taken some damage. So like there is some serious concern as the engine winds. And then like the fact that it goes okay. Yeah. Is, is very relieving. That relief kind of overwhelms you and you reach the top of this climb and you find yourself at one of those scenic overlooks that you can kind of turn into. You decide to turn into it, cut the engine to let it cool down and you give yourself a few quiet minutes, right? You're staring out at this snowy vista. Maybe it's a landscape that's familiar to you because you're so close to home. And as you wait there, giving your rig's engine the time it needs, you decide to grab a piece of scrap paper you keep in a compartment and write something short and special and precisely worded. You tell yourself you'll carry this note to your destination and deliver it to the person when you get there. If you get there. Normally when you're playing this game alone, you would then kind of cue up a particular song on the soundtrack and that would give you a timer to write. But I think here, if you want to just kind of speak aloud the words that you would jot down on that piece of paper or take a moment to collect your thoughts and then actually write and read something, whatever works best for you. I actually think it's pretty, pretty evident to me. And I I think it's, it's very short. And it's just, Pops, I forgive you. When you're finished on writing the note, 
and know that this is something that if you make it home and if your dad is there, you're in a place in his hand, where, where do you put it to keep it safe? I think I fold it up and I put it like under the seat with the pocket watch. Yeah. I think that's about the safest place in this cab. It's time to hit the road again. Why don't you give me an engine roll? Uh, that is a plus. Good old rig. Yeah. She's a, she's a, she's got more, more life in her than I have right now. So, so we drew three cards. We did not draw a road card. How would you like to proceed? I think, I feel like I need to keep going. It is like to me, not even like not even real meta considerations at this point. Like narratively, I feel like this is the last day. Yeah. So I think I like I am prepared to draw cards until <laughs> I fail a roll, the threat overtakes me, or I get a road card. Yeah. All right. You continue driving down the highway and Something catches your ear and you're drawn to a small car on the side of a road. Maybe just kind of parked haphazardly on the shoulder. And a boombox is sitting on the car's hood that somehow is still running off battery power. And it's filling the air with the music of Johnny Cash. You stop. Windows are down, and you listen. And about 30 seconds after you stop, the boombox's batteries die. The song stops. As the song ends, what crosses your mind? I think there is a connection to me almost immediately with the the opening line of the old rugged cross is on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And I think that there's this kind of immediate connection between that hill far away and my parents' home. And the idea that, like, regardless of what I feel from a faith perspective, the old rugged cross is that house. And I need to get there. I don't know for what, but I need to get there. Nice. And that was a road card. Which means that... Oh, snap. (laughs) When you end your drive today, make the call and go to bed, we'll advance to the next location, which would be your destination. So my question to you is, would you like to keep driving or would you like to end your day? <laughs> I mean, I like, I, it, I'm going <laughs> to, you know, you're close. There's a part of me that's like, Oh, like keep driving. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I like to push my luck, but like, there's not really a reason <laughs> to do that anymore. Uh, so yeah. So we see your truck pull in one last time and, This time we kind of linger on the where, right? We kind of see your fingernails on that steering wheel and think back to the deer, right? We see you kind of rubbing your side. That pain still hasn't gone away. We see the dirty scuffs and scrapes from where your truck hit that wall on the ice. And when you drift to a stop in front of the phone, the the last call you'll need to make before you arrive home tomorrow. The brakes kind of squeal and sound a little bit in pain and a little bit relieved, if that makes sense. That screech that we hear. And we see you get out one foot at a time and walk to the payphone. You can make that call whenever you're ready. Pops, I'm, it's me again. I think 
I'm going to be there tomorrow. I... I saw your face in the smoke today, the way I guess some people see, like, Jesus or the Virgin Mary. Uh, and it was... It was terrifying. And I know you wanted me to stay. And I know you wanted me to be so many things that I'm not. And I'm sorry. Not sorry that I made the choices I made. Um, I'm not apologizing for that because I, I know they were the right choices for me. But I'm sorry that I was young and dumb and not articulate enough to make you understand why I needed to go. Maybe if I had been better about that, maybe it wouldn't have taken the end of the world to get me to come home and visit. I don't know. I doubt you're going to be there when I get there. But I hope that I see you tomorrow. Bye, Pops. So we reached the end of the game. It's introduced in the book with two big black pages that just say, and finally. <laughs> it's been a long road here. And with that road card that you drew, you've reached your destination. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read straight from the book at this point and give you a choice to make and then let you run with the directions of how to end the game. And if you have any questions, just let me know. Okay. You have arrived. Close your eyes and take one full, slow breath. Consider the reunion. When you feel ready, choose one of the following. We fast forward one week, and you're back on the road. We fast forward one month, and you're back on the road. We fast forward one year, and you're back on the road. What have you learned? Why did you leave? And what's the one thing you forgot to say? Pull over and make a call. Then end the game. Those are some very interesting choices. <laughs> All right. I think I have. I think I have it. Great. I'm really excited to hear. Hey, Mom, it's Chris. I, uh, I just got california i'm at i'm at the cabin that you and dad stayed at on your honeymoon tomorrow i am gonna go out to the coast i'm gonna spread his ashes like you asked me to do i uh you know it was hard to talk about this when i was home but i'd there's a lot I wanted to say, and I, I wish wish I'd come back in time to say it, but it is what it is. But once I'm done here, I am uh, forgot to tell you I'm going to come home. Um, so I'll see you in a couple of weeks. I love you, Mom. Goodbye. I'll go ahead and break the silence and say thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to play that game with you. Yeah, thank you. Say, oh, it is so good. <laughs> uh, I've I've had this exact conversation at the end of the last couple of episodes I've done, where I'm like, I don't like these uh, these types of games end up telling stories where I'm like, I just kind of want to bask. <laughs> silently in the story we just told yeah because it was very good and then i have to remember that i'm hosting a podcast we can do both we can host and bask you know yeah i would love to hear what you thought yeah that was i mean it was 
it was really beautiful. The the story that it coaxed out is really good. And I like having looked at the prompts earlier and seeing like the ways that, you know, in this case, you kind of tailored the prompts to our story. But like, if you're playing this as a solo game, you're kind of going to do the same thing in your own mind. Yeah. Although I don't know if I could have adapted them quite as well playing this by myself, but like, the prompts do such a good job of creating this like really beautiful, poignant story in the midst of kind of a hellish nightmare. Well, I'll consider that an accomplishment. That's definitely, <laughs> that's, that's certainly kind of the idea behind it all. Yeah. And it was really lovely to hear, like, I think playing this with you and being able to play off of your ideas and see how I could just focus on incorporating those into the prompts that were already written on the page. I really enjoyed that, not really tailoring because the cards and the prompts really were doing it all, but just like the joy of making those connections and kind of building a narrative out of these kind of moments that can come in any order, I think yeah, was something that I, I really valued in the way we played together. Yeah, that it it went really well, and it it was it was awesome that there were th- those couple of prompts where it was like like this actually <laughs> doesn't need anything. Like, yeah, somehow the story we have crafted just fits uh, fits perfectly in, into the world you've created uh, in your in your prompts. I was thinking also that you know um, in the introduction that I wrote that is like, what is this game? What materials do you need? Kind of the basic kind of overview page. The last thing I tell the player is that you'll need some time, right? And I mentioned that the story is going to sing when you move slowly and let things linger. And I think it was so valuable as the designer to hear you kind of embody that idea in the way you kind of let those moments float and sit, right? I think that brought such a good texture to the story that we were able to tell together. Yeah, I agree. I, I like, I'm thinking now back at the story, like this story went in all sorts of directions that I didn't expect. And like, even sitting down, like I, I, I was not even necessarily anticipating having like all of this religious imagery in there, (laughs) but like just the, like the hymn, the lyrics to the, to the Staples sister song, being like this beautiful old hymn combined with uh, the father's hat image in your character creation prompts hmm. just created this story and like this character in my mind. But thinking back into like now through the story in light of everything that happened, there's even a part of me that's wondering from like a meta perspective, if like the end of the world thing actually happened or if that was all in this character's mind like did he just find out that his father died yeah and this is his own like personal internal odyssey of like driving back for his father's funeral oh i love that and i can tell you i mean i i don't know if there's a spoiler or not it's like in the book it's just like the different branching endings and obviously there's so much that you bring to the endings that doesn't really matter so i don't mind it the ending where if you end the game on a failed mind roll right the ending there is that you the player actually pick any different ending from the book even a happy one and your character will experience the ending, but you, the player, will understand that the narration is unreliable, right? <laughs> maybe it's because your character is losing their grip, or maybe it's because they're kind of like embracing a fantasy to avoid the horrors of the world. But that is literally how you end the game if you fail a mind roll. And so that would have worked perfectly too. I think it would have been yeah. a lot more of a bummer, but it's possible. I love oh, I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, this game is fantastic. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. Really sincerely. Oh, you you are very welcome. Uh I am Yeah, I'm just really impressed with with how how the story 
or how the game guides you in a story, which like it is, it is uh, incredibly <laughs> difficult to do for a, a, like a single player game. Like it is, I feel very different for like a game where you have a party of people like GMing becomes a very different experience. Yeah. Um, but trying to guide, like having, have I, my awesome master's degree that I use pretty much entirely just to play games in creative writing. Like I know how hard it is to prompt writers to write. Um, and having to create a game that does that and brings you through this story uh, is not the easiest thing in the world. And uh, the way the game does it is really, really impressive. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I don't know what to say other than I, I really appreciate that, but, um, <laughs> but I'm glad, I'm glad it succeeded. I think it was one of the, I think, I think everyone who makes a game or hacks a game or does something, it, is doing it because they see something that they can tweak or something that they miss or something that they kind of spitefully resent in the structures they see and they want to kind of do or at least attempt to do better. And I think for me, that was a big principle behind this. It's like, how can I make a solo game that really feels like a build and an arc, right? In a way that, other games I've played that are still very powerful feel a bit more like a series of episodes, right? Yeah. Which is not better or worse. It's just a different feel for that story and the shape of it. Right. And so thinking about little things like <laughs> the engine role, which, which I love. It's like one of my favorite little things in the game and is so clear. Like it's one of those things that either people get or they don't get because it has no consequence. Like you can't never start your engine, but there's, I think when it works, there's still this kind of like story moment of having to start that engine and seeing your dice rolls start becoming unreliable and everything gets a little shakier, including that moment. I, I think I, I tried to, push for those little things that could kind of create an arc to the story. If that makes sense. Yeah, it is. I do love that engine role. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, it is sort of one of those perfect. And like, sometimes you just need those in games where you're building a narrative. I think of, uh, the quiet year by Avery outer, uh, and the contempt tokens. Yes. And like contempt tokens in the quiet year, have no mechanical purpose whatsoever other than to just alert the rest of the table to the fact that you are upset. Yeah. And like, there is like in, in a game like that or in a game like this, like having those moments where like, especially if it's like day three or four or five and you've seen some shit and it takes like three or four tries to get the engine to turn over. Like that just, sets the tone for the entire day. Yes. In a way that's not like, it's not consequential overall to the game mechanically, but it is so consequential to the narrative of the story. Yeah. When I started thinking about that, I did some practice rolls and very, I was like, all right, let me see what it's like with, you know, three dice. And I had a really unlucky set of rolls and I had these two simultaneous thoughts. One thought was, this kind of very kind of frustrated, like you gotta be fucking kidding me. Like, let me start this engine. And the other thought was, Oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm trying to do. This is why I put this in my <laughs> game. Yeah. And I don't, I am, I normally have the worst luck on the planet with fate dice. I don't know what mm. it is. I don't know if it's the specific fate dice that I have. Uh, if they just don't like me, or if uh, fate is like a cursed system for me, this was, and I mean, I still ended up with one die at the end of the game. So it's yeah. not like my dice were on fire, but like this was the best I think I've ever rolled in a game that uses fate dice. <laughs> and it's still like the way the tension builds as like your dice pool dwindles and the threat gets closer to overtaking you. And like, I don't know how often it happens, but the fact that like in this story, 
we reached that point where like it was literally like it's kind of the next card that we draw figures it all out because like either it's going to be a road card and i get to my destination it's going to be a roll card and i'm probably going to fail or it's going to be a threat card and i get overtaken and like that tension felt awful in like the best way possible like the way you want horror tension to feel yeah that that works for me i think that's exactly it i think when i talk to people about this being a horror game i sometimes have a hard time kind of articulating it because there's not a lot of standard i think especially in horror gaming there's a lot that's missing from like the normal tropes. And I think that that slow burn tension is something that has always made sense to me when I think about the genre of this game. Right. And that kind of bell curve where statistically you, I mean, in theory, you could not make it a single day in this game. It is possible for that to happen. It is also possible for you to breeze through it. That is very unlikely. Um, It is possible for you to get stuck because you've burned through the road cards in such a way that you can continue playing but will never make your destination. That is also unlikely. I like that as an idea, even though that might be frustrating to the player. But there's this kind of curve where most of the mechanics kind of come together to inch towards a moment like that we had. And I think... That inching to me is why I would put this in the category of horror as opposed to adventure or some other kind of standard genre, if that makes sense. Yeah, because even like the threat, like the threat doesn't have to like, obviously, this is a horror podcast, so I made the threat more horror. Yeah, but like you could make the threat. And you could use this to tell like a like a Bonnie and Clyde, like the threat is the cops. Absolutely. And you are you are driving this big rig trying to escape the police. And so like you could use it to tell any number of genres. I feel like it leans itself more. The threat itself leans itself more towards horror. Yeah. But it is that like the tension, the way that the tension is built and drops it is a horror game no matter what the threat is because it makes you feel horror at some point or another. Yeah, and I think even if you were to work very intentionally to craft a story that was as realistic or as kind of like normal slash not supernatural as you could make it, you can't escape the premise on the first page, which is like you're the only person in the world right now. And that kind of existential catastrophe kind of brings the game kind of it kind of pulls that game back into what i would consider a horror story despite the choices a player might make yeah yeah it's always gonna have that some of that yeah as we've all learned over the last 18 months (laughs) uh, what it is kind of like to be the only person around for days weeks or months on end uh, sometimes when you don't leave your house for weeks. Yup. <laughs> I'll give that a strong and sturdy yup. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky enough to have been able to transition to working from home. And like, luckily I have a housemate, which has kept me like somewhat anchored in that. Like occasionally we see each other in the kitchen yeah. and can be like, hey, it's another human being that I can put words towards. Mm hmm. But yeah, this was, uh, it really was just absolutely fantastic. So I highly recommend everyone, uh, everyone who listens to this, head over to your itch page and pick up a copy and also order pre-order a physical copy. That's right. And I forgot to say, but um, the other really cool thing is that uh, the game is now available in Spanish, a great small press that focuses on awesome games from spain called the hills press is now selling both a digital pdf and a physical book that's translated into spanish and so that is also a really exciting thing and you can check them out at the hills press on twitter or the hills press.es online that is 
super awesome. I love hearing about games getting to break down some some boundaries and get played by people who do not speak English as a primary language. Yeah. Which there there are a lot of those. <laughs> but yeah, so just uh, a quick reminder to everyone, let them know where they can find you, where they can pick this game up, and all of that business. Absolutely. So once again, my name is Sean Patrick Kane. I publish under that name or my initial is SPC. If you want to get into my games digitally, you can go to my itch page on spc.itch.io. If you want to pick them up physically and take a look at the actual books and get them in your hands, you can go to shop.seanpatrickkane.com. And right now we are running a pre-order campaign for Long Haul 1983. It's a very experimental DIY crowdfunding fundraising thing that's really focusing on economic accessibility, um, transparency, and using the sales to do some good. So for my pre-order profits, 30% of those profits are going to uh, two really important organizations, the um, NDN Collective's Land Back Campaign and the First Nations COVID-19 Emergency Response Fund. Another 20% will be going to fund physical community copies that will be provided to individuals, classrooms, libraries, prisons, and other community centers. Awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely go buy this. Uh, not only now, because it is an incredible game, but also uh, it is doing a lot of good in the world in, in multiple ways. I love the idea of sending community copies of this, particularly to like schools. I think a game like this could be very helpful. I know a lot of kids who are dealing with the pandemic not so great because they're still learning to socialize and all of a sudden uh they spent a year and a half not being able to really socialize and that has sucked yeah um and a game like this could help them process that in a really cool way yeah so um you know i'm still working on the logistics of how to actually kind of like deliver and share those physical community copies but if you follow me on Twitter, which is just my name, at Sean Patrick Kane, in the next month, I'll be kind of opening up and kind of doing an open call for folks. Shipping is going to be paid for. The copy is going to be paid for. Um, depending on how many books we sell, we'll determine how many physical community copies we offer. But we'll also be opening up, I think, a according to my numbers right now, at least 300 or so um, digital community copies as well based on their pre-order sales and so there'll be a lot of opportunities for folks to get a copy in some form if they haven't been able to already that's awesome well thank you again for coming on this has been an absolute pleasure Blaine, thank you so much it was such a pleasure to play with you it was such a delight to kind of hear the story unfold and to have a hand in it thank you again so much this is a great way to spend an evening oh you are so welcome Thank you to Sean for designing such a cool game and agreeing to facilitate it for me. And thank you to you for listening. Our theme song is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join us on August 26th, where we'll start a game of Quietus with Jesse Stanchek, the writer behind the Twitter account at MicroFlashFiction. Until then, remember that you are strong. You are beautiful, and you are not alone.
pray to God.